0: Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Catholic Light. Thank you again, too, for those of you who persevered, a couple episodes where my uh, sound equipment was a little off. Um, I've had friends and parishioners come up and say, uh, "You know, loved hearing your podcast from a cave that week. That was really just a good new new uh, change of venue." So thanks for your patience and uh, thanks for persevering. On today's episode, we'll read on the second half of the episode, paragraphs twelve eighty five through thirteen twenty one, and this covers in part two, section two, the sacrament of confirmation. So I'll talk a little bit about confirmation today. Um, confirmation. I don't know your experience. Um, personally, and then witnessing others receive their confirmation. But um, in my experience, uh, a lot of people view confirmation as kind of a graduation from Catholicism and kind of like the the cherry on the top of the Sunday of learning about my Catholic faith, and now I can can move on to other things or place a priority on on other things. So it's interesting because graduations are also called commencements and to commence is to begin so a commencement is um well it is like placing a cherry on the top of the sunday of our k-12 through education it's really uh, a launching a beginning um, a stepping into something new whether it's college a job the next phase of our, our adult lives so confirmation uh, is similar in that it's a commencement of our lives as, as mature Christians. Um, so we believe that at, at baptism, we receive this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. At confirmation, then, those baptismal graces are confirmed or kind of solidified. Um, I watched Power Rangers growing up, so I picture it as like all, all the different Power Rangers coming together like chink, 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 and making the big... I forget what it was called, like n- Megalodon. No, that's my son's uh, monster truck. Uh, Optimus Prime. That's a transformer. Anyway, coming together and making like this big ultra, you know, Power Ranger, um, and with that, you know, moving forward to to really live the the Christian life well. So confirmation is a completion. a confirming of our baptismal graces, and then a moment where we step forward as adults, quote-unquote, adults in the faith. Um, It's a little tricky because oftentimes we receive confirmation in anywhere between like sixth and eighth grade. Um, In the Eastern Church, it's interesting, uh, baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist, so the three sacraments of initiation, are all received together by uh, a little baby, So a baby is baptized, confirmed with the the chrism of confirmation, and then receives the Eucharist, a tiny little bit of our our Lord's body and blood. It's a beautiful tradition in that it shows that the three sacraments of initiation hang together, come together, and it also launches that child on the path to a beautiful, God willing, beautiful, profound Christian faith uh, shortly after his or her birth. So it points to, we'll see in our our catechism selection um, from today, actually the selection last week mentioned it as well regarding baptism, and then the catechism also talks about it today regarding confirmation, in that these sacraments are not um, something that we've merited, as though we're old enough, we've worked hard enough, we've learned enough, so that now I can receive confirmation. No, it's like all things from the Lord, it's a gratuitous gift. Um, So I've done nothing to merit it. It's, It's simply a gift of the Lord by which he gives me grace to engage more deeply, more fully in that blessed life he has planned for me for each and every one of us. So again, uh, unfortunately in the Western church, I think, um, and maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience, confirmation is often seen as, as kind of a graduation from Catholicism. So a lot of my classmates, and then a little later in life, I taught uh, sixth grade religious ed one year. So a lot of my students, um, stopped coming to CCD or religious ed. Um, they stopped participating in maybe the youth group or junior high group and, um, would move on to, I'm not sure what, but uh, just other things in life. Uh, when I taught sixth grade prep th- that year, my, my students received their confirmation. And after confirmation, um, you know, I was asking about their experience. How was the day? What did you think? And um, many of them had, you know, a nice time at the sacrament, but uh, their focus was often on like the video game or one student got an iPad when iPads were kind of just coming out. So it's good and that those gifts commemorated um something that something important had just taken place. Um but unfortunately again it was seen as like an end. Um, you know, now we'll we'll move on from this kind of like cute CCD class or or childhood uh, you know Sunday school lessons and to things that are are more important in life. And this doesn't just pertain to confirmation. I would say in our our culture, oftentimes we view weddings the same way. There, there's so much build up to um, the wedding ceremony, the you know the flowers, the food, the the dress, the tux, um, and then oftentimes it's like that day is is viewed as like like an end of all this preparation whereas really it's it's a commencement it's a beginning of now this this very new chapter of life um as a couple i had mentioned a few episodes ago that my brother matthew and his now wife rebecca got married and um my dear friend Teresa, who also attended the wedding, turned to me at one point and said, This feels like a launching. Like it feels like they've prepared for this moment to then go forth to the bigger, the better, the more beautiful that, that God has for them as individuals and as a couple. And it really did feel that way. Um, you know, it was a launching, a, commence, a true commencement um, of the, the beautiful things that God now wants to give them in, in a new way as a couple and not just as individuals and so too we can view the sacrament of confirmation. It is a, a confirming, a completion of our baptism, what, what's begun at baptism, but it's really a launching into the, we could say the quote unquote good stuff, like where we're really getting into you know, our life with, with Christ and um, all the, you know, the, the great things he wants to do uh, in and through our lives as, as not just children, but now as, as adults or more mature Christians in the faith. Paragraph 1285 says, The reception of the Sacrament of Confirmation is necessary for the completion of baptismal grace. For by the Sacrament of Confirmation, the baptized are more perfectly bound to the church and are enriched with a special strength of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Confirmation kind of comes in and it's like that other Tetris piece to the first Tetris piece of baptism where it's like, you know, they're they're locked into each other and then bring us to the next level of the video game. Lots of video game references here. Um, paragraph 1302 says the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. It's pretty, pretty significant. So the effect of the Sacrament of Confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. So God who is outside of time and space, God who is inexhaustible in his love for us, his goodness, Um, His gifts, His graces, didn't just give like like a big outpouring of the Spirit uh, to the apostles at Pentecost because, you know, they were kind of the first group that had to get this whole thing going. But God gives uh, just as much, maybe even more, again and again and again throughout, um, you know, time and and history to each and every one of us. He wants to give that to each and every one of us. And so at our confirmations, uh, we can each receive all the graces that the apostles themselves received when the Holy Spirit descended upon them in that upper room on Pentecost. Paragraph 1303 then rattles off how confirmation brings an increase and a deepening of our baptismal grace. So it roots us more deeply in the divine filiation or um, sonship, daughtership, which makes us cry, Abba, Father. It unites us more firmly to Christ. So in baptism, we're united to Christ. In confirmation, then, we are united more firmly to him. It increases the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. It renders our bond with the church more perfect. And it gives us a special strength of the Holy Spirit to spread and defend the faith by word and action as true witnesses of Christ. To confess the name of Christ boldly, and never to be ashamed of the cross. How awesome! So we we come to know and understand our faith through um, through study, through prayer, through things like like listening to a podcast. Um, however, the the grace of the sacrament and uh, the theological virtue of faith increases that understanding, that knowledge. Just think of the the gifts of the Holy Spirit: knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Um, the the sacrament itself sometimes without even opening a book, um, increases those gifts, that understanding, knowledge, wisdom, et cetera, within us. Again, how awesome. As in with baptism, um, there's a debate among Christian denominations and even among particular Catholic churches and dioceses about the best time or age to receive confirmation. So, with baptism, it's a little more pronounced. Um, some Christian denominations, the Catholic Church baptizes um, infants, but many denominations will not baptize until that child has grown and um, is of the age of reason and can accept Jesus Christ as his or her personal Lord and Savior and assent to that baptism, that relationship with with Christ. Um similarly, with confirmation, we see across um, Christian denominations and across uh, churches and dioceses that um, it's pretty standard in the American Church to confirm children between sixth and eighth grade um, where kids are old enough to be well past the age of reason to know to what they are assenting, but still young enough that they can start reaping the the benefits the the beauty, the rewards of of the sacrament at a young age um, You want it to be old enough to know what you're saying yes to, but you don't want to wait too long so that it either, the sacrament never takes place or a young person is missing out year after year on the graces, the gifts that he or she could be receiving. I love how the catechism says pretty boldly with baptism, why wait at all? So the catechism first goes through how it's biblical to baptize infants So it cites uh, scriptures saying that, quote, unquote, whole households were baptized, including parents, children, even babies. And then the Catechism discusses how when the church first begins, at first, adults are baptized because, practically speaking, it's adults who are converting to Christianity. Um, But then within the first couple hundred years, infants are being baptized. If we look back in church history, infants were baptized pretty early on in church history and and in the scheme of things, shortly after Christ ascended to heaven. The Catechism says basically start now because it's only a start. So again, it's not a, a graduation like, oh, now you're done, but it's truly a commencement or a beginning of this life in the Spirit. Uh, paragraph 1250 says... Born with a fallen human nature and tainted by original sin, children also have need of the new birth and baptism to be freed from the power of darkness and brought into the realm of the freedom of the children of God to which all men are called. The sheer gratuitousness of the grace of salvation is particularly manifest in infant baptism. The church and the parents would deny a child the priceless grace of becoming a child of God were they not to confer a baptism shortly after birth. Dang. Dang we would be remiss. Lucy, sorry, we waited four whole months. Sorry, we denied you that grace, bah! Um, But how awesome, it points to this paragraph. So this is from last week's reading. Uh, Speaking of baptism, it points to the sheer gratuitousness of the grace of salvation. And basically, why would we deny someone that gift, that life in the spirit, uh, even a day, a moment? And so a similar uh, sentiment is expressed about confirmation. It's, It's not a graduation in a completing sort of way, um, although it does complete baptism, what baptism begins. Um, But it's a a commencement, a launching, a springing forth into a more beautifully profound and grace-filled life with Christ. Continuing to speak of baptism, the Catechism says in paragraph 1253, the faith required for baptism is not a perfect and mature faith, but a beginning that is called to develop. And so this is why we look to the godparents, um, we look to the church, we look to the parents to help that faith um, really take root and grow and flourish in the life of this infant, this child. And so similarly with confirmation, paragraph 1308 says, although confirmation is sometimes called the sacrament of Christian maturity, we must not confuse adult faith with the adult age of natural growth. So just because a child is now older, well beyond the age of consent, excuse me, not the age of consent, the age of reason. And I think I said age of consent earlier. What I meant to say was age of reason, which we ascertained to be about the age of seven. Just because he or she is older doesn't mean uh, he or she has an adult faith or a mature faith. But that's something that, so like with godparents to the newly baptized, often infant or or child, uh, sponsors of Confirmandi are called to help bolster that faith, help grow that faith, pray that 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 um, those graces received in the sacrament are brought to their fulfillment and and flourishing in the life of of that person who has just received confirmation. Practically speaking, it's the same in other areas of our lives. So we have high school and college advisors to help us pick our classes, help us figure out what we want to study. We have um, people to whom we can be apprentices in various jobs. And um, even in the sacrament of marriage, uh, Father Chris, who prepared Dan and me for our marriage, um, asked us to interview two couples, two married couples, one who had been married five or fewer years and one who had been married, a couple who had been married 25 or more years, um, just to, to pick their brains and, and try to learn from them at their different stages of, of married life. I love uh, I've mentioned that I lived in Nicaragua for a couple years, and it was customary. it is customary in certain Latino cultures to have uh, a madrina and a padrino, um, or like a, a godmother and a godfather of your marriage. And how, what an awesome idea. I mean marriage, which is is hard. No matter the circumstances, it's hard linking your life to another as an as an imperfect human being, linking your life to another imperfect human being, and then often giving birth to and raising imperfect human beings. It's, it's hard. Um, why not have a godmother and a godfather of, of your marriage um, praying for you, you know, offering up sacrifices for you, uh, helping you, advising you along the way? So let's focus on two things as we finish the first half of this episode. Uh, first, like our very creation and all of creation, these sacraments are pure gift, pure, gratuitous love from the God who did not have to create us, doesn't have to be in relationship with us, but does because he is good and he wants to share that goodness with us. Um, Paragraph 1246, speaking of baptism over the last couple of weeks, and then paragraph 1306, speaking of confirmation today, each say who can be baptized and who can be confirmed. And I just love, I love these Um, I don't know if definition is the right word. I love these lines from the catechism. So 1246 says, every person not yet baptized and only such a person is able to be baptized. So in response to the question, who can be baptized? It's everyone. Everyone who hasn't been baptized is welcome to this gift of baptism. Then in 1306, who can be confirmed? Every baptized person not yet confirmed, can and should receive the Sacrament of Confirmation. So you can receive confirmation if you've been baptized and have not yet received confirmation. How beautiful and simple. Okay, God wants to pour out his graces, his love, his gifts upon us through baptism and then confirm that, seal that in and through the Sacrament of Confirmation. So I think each of these lines point to, once again, just the the sheer goodness, the pure gift of this blessed life, this life of happiness that God offers to each and every one of us. Secondly, uh, again, by way of a a practical takeaway, if you are a godparent or a sponsor of someone, um, and I say this to myself as a godparent and sponsor, let's pray each day for our godchildren and those whom we have sponsored. I like to refer to them as my, my sponsorettes and sponsorees. So let's pray, let's, let's take that responsibility very seriously and trust in the efficacy of prayer, prayer and sacrifice, if you wanna you know, fast or offer up a little thing for your godchildren, those whom you've sponsored. Um, and let's pray that God will continue to bring to fulfillment um, the graces that our godchildren received at baptism, those whom we've sponsored received at confirmation. Um, for their, their flourishing, not just for eternity in heaven one day, but but even now. Secondly, one of my favorite practical things to do for my godchildren and, and sponsorettes and sponsories, oh, it's my little Lucy girl joining us on this episode, um, is to have masses said. So at Christmas and Easter every year, I have masses said for my godparents in gratitude for their prayers and sacrifices for me, the way that they have helped me be raised up in the faith. And then I get masses for each of my godchildren and those whom I've sponsored, and my husband and children and, and friends. Um, but it's to the point now where I walk into our parish office just ahead of Christmas and then just ahead of Easter, and the secretary's eyes are like, oh, hey, you're back again for 43 mass cards. <laughs> so now we have a little system where basically I print out a list. She just signs it from uh, you know, the parish office or from Monsignor, and then I fill in the rest, so it's not such a burden. Um, but thank you, Joyce, for doing that for years. Thank you, Cheryl and Lisa and now Laura for uh, helping me love and pray for my godchildren and sponsorettes and sponsories. So um, if you parish, if you belong to a parish, which... Uh, Gives mass cards, sells mass cards. I invite you to do that as a, a practical way of supporting your godchildren, sponsorettes, and sponsories. If you belong to a church or maybe you're not Catholic, and um, mass cards is not a thing, then um, you know perhaps you could. Um, devote like a specific prayer or um, prayer time each week or once a month to praying for your godchildren, those whom you've sponsored in confirmation, and then write out a little card or, you know, tuck in a note to something saying that, you know, every Monday I pray especially for you at this hour or, you know, I offer it up this day of fasting for you. Because while the life of faith is awesome and beautiful and uh, a sharing God's own, own good life, um life is hard as we know and so we can we'll take and can use all the the prayers we can get. All right. So we'll end our first half of the episode there. Take a brief break and then return on the other side to read our catechism selection for the week. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi, and welcome back. We'll now read our catechism selection for the week, which is paragraphs 1285 through 1321. Article 2, the Sacrament of Confirmation. Baptism, the Eucharist, and the Sacrament of Confirmation together constitute the sacraments of Christian initiation, whose unity must be safeguarded. It must be explained to the faithful that the reception of the Sacrament of Confirmation is necessary for the completion of baptismal grace. For, by the Sacrament of Confirmation, the baptized are more perfectly bound to the Church and are enriched with a special strength of the Holy Spirit. Hence they are, as true witnesses of Christ, more strictly obliged to spread and defend the faith by word and deed. Confirmation in the Economy of Salvation In the Old Testament, the prophets announced that the Spirit of the Lord would rest on the hoped-for Messiah for his saving mission. The descent of the Holy Spirit on Jesus at his baptism by John was the sign that this was he who was to come, the Messiah, the Son of God. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. His whole life and his whole mission are carried out in total communion with the Holy Spirit, whom the Father gives him without measure. This fullness of the Spirit was not to remain uniquely the Messiah's, but was to be communicated to the whole messianic people. On several occasions, Christ promised this outpouring of the Spirit, a promise which he fulfilled first on Easter Sunday and then more strikingly at Pentecost. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostles began to proclaim the mighty works of God, and Peter declared this outpouring of the Spirit to be the sign of the Messianic Age. Those who believed in the apostolic preaching and were baptized received the gift of the Holy Spirit in their turn. From that time on, the apostles, in fulfillment of Christ's will, imparted to the newly baptized by the laying on of hands the gift of the Spirit that completes the grace of baptism. For this reason, in the letter to the Hebrews, the doctrine concerning baptism and the laying on of hands is listed among the first elements of Christian instruction. The imposition of hands is rightly recognized by the Catholic tradition as the origin of the sacrament of confirmation, which in a certain way perpetuates the grace of Pentecost in the church. Very early, the better to signify the gift of the Holy Spirit, an anointing with perfumed oil or chrism was added to the laying on of hands. This anointing highlights the name Christian, which means anointed, and derives from that of Christ himself, whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit. This rite of anointing has continued ever since, in both East and West. For this reason, the Eastern churches call this sacrament chrismation, anointing with chrism, or myron, which means chrism. In the West, the term confirmation suggests that this sacrament both confirms baptism and strengthens baptismal grace. Two traditions, East and West— In the first centuries, Confirmation generally comprised one single celebration with baptism, forming with it a double sacrament, according to the expression of St. Cyprian. Among other reasons, the multiplication of infant baptisms all through the year, the increase of rural parishes and the growth of dioceses, often prevented the bishop from being present at all baptismal celebrations. In the West, the desire to reserve the completion of baptism to the bishop caused the temporal separation of the two sacraments. The East has kept them united so that confirmation is conferred by the priest who baptizes, but he can do so only with the Myron consecrated by a bishop. A custom of the Roman Church facilitated the development of the Western practice, a double anointing with sacred chrism after baptism. The first anointing of the neophyte on coming out of the baptismal bath was performed by the priest. It was completed by a second anointing on the forehead of the newly baptized by the bishop. The first anointing with sacred chrism by the priest has remained attached to the baptismal rite. It signifies the participation of the one baptized in the prophetic, priestly, and kingly offices of Christ. If baptism is conferred on an adult, there is only one post-baptismal anointing, that of confirmation. The practice of the Eastern churches gives greater emphasis to the unity of Christian initiation. That of the Latin church more clearly expresses the communion of the new Christian with the bishop as guarantor and servant of the unity, catholicity, and apostolicity of his church, and hence the connection with the apostolic origins of Christ's church. The Signs and the Rite of Confirmation In treating the rite of confirmation, it is fitting to consider the sign of anointing and what it signifies and imprints, a spiritual seal, Anointing, in biblical and other ancient symbolism, is rich in meaning. Oil is a sign of abundance and joy. It cleanses, anointing before and after a bath, and limbers, the anointing of athletes and wrestlers. Oil is a sign of healing, since it is soothing to bruises and wounds, and it makes radiant with beauty, health, and strength. Anointing with oil has all these meanings in the sacramental life. The pre-baptismal anointing with the oil of catechumens signifies cleansing and strengthening. The anointing of the sick expresses healing and comfort. The post-baptismal anointing with sacred chrism and confirmation and ordination is the sign of consecration. By confirmation, Christians, that is those who are anointed, share more completely in the mission of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, with which he is filled, so that their lives may give off the aroma of Christ. By this anointing, the confirmand receives the mark, the seal of the Holy Spirit. A seal is a symbol of a person— a sign of personal authority or ownership of an object. Hence, soldiers were marked with their leader's seal and slaves with their masters. A seal authenticates a juridical act or document and occasionally makes it secret. Christ himself declared that he was marked with his father's seal. Christians are also marked with a seal. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has commissioned us. He has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The seal of the Holy Spirit marks our total belonging to Christ, our enrollment in his service forever, as well as the promise of divine protection in the great eschatological trial. The celebration of confirmation. The consecration of the sacred chrism is an important action that precedes the celebration of confirmation, but is, in a certain way, a part of it. It is the bishop who, in the course of the chrism, Mass of Holy Thursday, consecrates the sacred chrism for his whole diocese. In some Eastern churches, this consecration is even reserved to the patriarch. The Liturgy of Antioch expresses the epiclesis for the consecration of the sacred chrism or Myron in this way Father, send your Holy Spirit on us and on this oil which is before us and consecrate it, so that it may be for all who are anointed and marked with it holy Myron, priestly Myron, royal Myron, anointing with gladness, clothing with light, a cloak of salvation, a spiritual gift. The sanctification of souls and bodies, imperishable happiness, the indelible seal, a buckler of faith, and a fearsome helmet against all the works of the adversary. When confirmation is celebrated separately from baptism, as is the case of the Roman Rite, in the Roman Rite, the liturgy of confirmation begins with the renewal of baptismal promises and the profession of faith by the confirmants. This clearly shows that confirmation follows baptism. When adults are baptized, they immediately receive confirmation and participate in the Eucharist. In the Roman Rite, the bishop extends his hands over the whole group of the confirmants. Since the time of the apostles, this gesture has signified the gift of the Spirit. The bishop invokes the outpouring of the Spirit in these words, All-powerful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by water and the Holy Spirit, you freed your sons and daughters from sin and gave them new life. Send your Holy Spirit upon them to be their helper and guide. Give them the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of right judgment and courage, the spirit of knowledge and reverence. Fill them with the spirit of wonder and awe in your presence. We ask this through Christ our Lord. The essential rite of the sacrament follows. In the Latin rite, the sacrament of confirmation is conferred through the anointing with chrism on the forehead, which is done by the laying on of the hand, and through the words, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Eastern churches of Byzantine rite, after a prayer of Epiclesis, the more significant parts of the body are anointed with Myron. Forehead, eyes, nose, ears, lips, chest, back, hands, and feet. Each anointing is accompanied by the formula, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. The sign of peace that concludes the rite of the sacrament signifies and demonstrates ecclesial communion with the bishop and with all the faithful. The effects of confirmation. Confirmation. It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. From this fact, confirmation brings an increase and deepening of baptismal grace. It roots us more deeply in the divine filiation which makes us cry, Abba, Father. It unites us more firmly to Christ. It increases the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. It renders our bond with the church more perfect. It gives us the special strength of the Holy Spirit to spread and defend the faith by word and action as true witnesses of Christ, to confess the name of Christ boldly, and never to be ashamed of the cross. Recall then that you have received the spiritual seal, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of right judgment and courage, the spirit of knowledge and reverence, the spirit of holy fear in God's presence. Guard what you have received. God the Father has marked you with his sign. Christ the Lord has confirmed you and has placed his pledge, the Spirit, in your hearts. Like baptism, which it completes, confirmation is given only once, for it too imprints on the soul an indelible spiritual mark, the character, which is the sign that Jesus Christ has marked a Christian with the seal of his Spirit, by clothing him with power from on high, so that he may be his witness. This character perfects the common priesthood of the faithful, received in baptism, and the confirmed person receives the power to profess faith in Christ publicly and as it were officially, who can receive this sacrament? Every baptized person not yet confirmed can and should receive the sacrament of confirmation. Since baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist form a unity, it follows that the faithful are obliged to receive this sacrament at the appropriate time. For without confirmation and Eucharist, baptism is certainly valid and efficacious, but Christian initiation remains incomplete. For centuries, Latin custom has indicated the age of discretion as the reference point for receiving confirmation. But in danger of death, children should be confirmed even if they have not yet attained the age of discretion. Although confirmation is sometimes called the sacrament of Christian maturity, we must not confuse adult faith with the age, the adult age of natural growth, nor forget that the baptismal grace is a grace of free, unmerited election and does not need ratification to become effective. St. Thomas reminds us of this. Age of body does not determine age of soul. Even in childhood, man can attain spiritual maturity, As the book of wisdom says, for old age is not honored for length of time or measured by number of years. Many children, through the strength of the Holy Spirit they've received, have bravely fought for Christ even to the shedding of their blood. Preparation for confirmation should aim at leading the Christian toward a more intimate union with Christ and a more lively familiarity with the Holy Spirit, his actions, his gifts, and his biddings, in order to be more capable of assuming the apostolic responsibilities of Christian life. To this end, catechesis for confirmation should strive to awaken a sense of belonging to the church of Jesus Christ, the universal church, as well as the parish community. The latter bears special responsibility for the preparation of confirmants. To receive confirmation, one must be in a state of grace. One should receive the sacrament of penance in order to be cleansed for the gift of the Holy Spirit. More intense prayer should prepare one to receive the strength and graces of the Holy Spirit with docility and readiness to act. Candidates for confirmation, as for baptism, fittingly seek the spiritual help of a sponsor. To emphasize the unity of the two sacraments, it is appropriate that this be one of the baptismal godparents. The minister of confirmation. The original minister of confirmation is the bishop. In the East, ordinarily the priest who baptizes also immediately confers confirmation in one and the same celebration. But he does so with sacred chrism consecrated by the patriarch or the bishop thus expressing the apostolic unity of the church whose bonds are strengthened by the sacrament of confirmation. In the Latin church, the same discipline applies to the baptism of adults or to the reception into full communion with the church of a person baptized in another Christian community that does not have valid confirmation. In the Latin rite, the ordinary minister of confirmation is the bishop. If the need arises, the bishop may grant the faculty of administering confirmation to priests, although it is fitting that he confer it himself. Mindful that the celebration of confirmation has been temporarily separated from baptism for this reason. Bishops are the successors of the apostles. They have received the fullness of the sacrament of holy orders. The administration of the sacrament by them demonstrates clearly that its effect is to unite those who receive it more closely to the church, to her apostolic origins, and to her mission of bearing witness to Christ. If a Christian is in danger of death, any priest can give him confirmation. Indeed, the church desires that none of her children, even the youngest, should depart this world without having been perfected by the Holy Spirit, with the gift of Christ's fullness. In brief, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Confirmation perfects baptismal grace. It is the sacrament which gives the Holy Spirit in order to root us more deeply in the divine filiation, incorporate us more firmly into Christ, strengthen our bond with the church, associate us more closely with her mission, and help us bear witness to the Christian faith in words accompanied by deeds. Confirmation, like baptism, imprints a spiritual mark or indelible character on the Christian soul. For this reason, one can receive the sacrament only once in one's life. In the East, the sacrament is administered immediately after baptism and is followed by participation in the Eucharist. This tradition highlights the unity of the three sacraments of Christian initiation. In the Latin Church, the sacrament is administered when the age of reason has been reached, and its celebration is ordinarily reserved to the bishop, thus signifying that this sacrament strengthens the ecclesial bond. A candidate for confirmation who has attained the age of reason must profess the faith Be in the state of grace, have the intention of receiving the sacrament, and be prepared to assume the role of disciple and witness to Christ, both within the ecclesial community and in temporal affairs. The essential rite of confirmation is anointing the forehead of the baptized with sacred chrism. In the east, other sense organs as well, together with the laying on of the minister's hands and the words, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit in the Roman rite, or the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit in the Byzantine rite. When Confirmation is celebrated separately from baptism, its connection with baptism is expressed, among other ways, by the renewal of baptismal promises. The celebration of Confirmation during the Eucharist helps underline the unity of the sacraments of Christian initiation. This brings us to the end of our reading selection and the end of our episode. Thanks again for joining me for another week. Between this week and next week's episode, please connect with me on Instagram at Catholic Light Podcast and know that I'll be praying for you and your family. Please pray for me and my family. And in the meantime, God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends and connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you.